I can afford to be. This is small town music. This is big town music. He's ahead of his time, you know, but he can't use it. If only he could prove it. Well, tomorrow's just a song away, a song away, a song away. Hey everybody, welcome to Rock Solid, the comedy podcast for all things music, both new and classic. I'm Pat Francis, and in the producer's chair, of course, is... Kyle Belton. Yeah, that's right. You say your own name, buddy. That's what you say. No, usually say my name. That's why I was confused. So I let you say your own name, and that confused you? Yeah. All right. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, Kyle, it's exciting today. It is. Because we're going to get... The topic today is something that I can't talk about with hardly any of my friends. Yeah. Judaism. (laughs) Judaism. (laughs) I could talk about that with my mother-in-law. But uh, that voice that you just heard is is David Wilde. David, hello. Welcome to the show. It's an honor as a recent obsessive listener. It's an honor to be here, sort of, until proven otherwise. Well, and I, I thank you for all your tweets and all your nice words uh, through the social media about the show. Oh, I no, I, I have to say I discovered it. I think I was up in the middle of the night as one is searching Elliot Easton. And <laughs> Why wouldn't found, you be? Exactly. It's, it's what a straight guy does in his free time, you know, <laughs> in lieu of porn. So I was, uh, and I came upon your podcast and I've literally... I think I've gone through virtually every one that's available, and then you got you gave me John Waite, which I was desperate to hear yeah. as a as a, a bit of a baby myself. You can go to uh, you can go to our Libsyn site, and they all live there. Oh, uh, good. Where the John Waite one was, and you can download again. I'm a Jew. I, when you say Libsyn site, I'm, I'm, un- <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. I stay with Apple. I think there's you know Zionist associated with that. Uh, we are getting a hum though that we never have before. Yeah, I wonder I why that is. I'm trying to figure out where it's going trying to be. figure out what that is too. This is weird. It's not your phone, David. You're fine. David moved his phone like he was causing a problem. Oh, it was, it's that cord. I have another mic cord if that one's no good. No, that, that cord stinks. That's what it is. Plug yours in. Plug that one in for David. Are you going to go? You're just going to go off mic, Kyle? Yeah, okay. We fixed it. Hold on. So I think we had such gold, we should keep that audio defect. Sometimes I do. Yeah, no, that was good. Because uh, I, I just like it to be, you know, in the. that's what it is. You know what I mean? It's sort of like Street Legal by Bob Dylan. <laughs> it sounds like shit, but it's it's powerful all the more because It's powerful of it. shit. Yeah, it's some deep shit. Uh, so before we start, David, uh, people know you because, and it's what's, what's funny is- I would argue with your premise, people know me. Well, here's the thing. I, I told a lot of people that you were coming on. And, and flipped and, out. And they said... The ladies I'm, love I'm, Cool J. I'm going to be honest with you. They said, I don't, know, I don't know if I know who that is. And said, no, but wait a minute. But wait a minute. Now listen to this. Listen, though. I'm so glad I cut my tennis game short. I, I was winning there. But listen, I, to, I said, Google image him. Right. And you are, you are recognizable. Your face is recognized because everyone came back with, oh, yeah, I know who that is. I am the ugly, pretty face that they put on every show talking about shit that you don't care you are literally in every documentary that i watch whether it's on world war ii or motley crew you are in that documentary true, true, true story that might involve some great name drop so i won't mm-hmm. i don't, I don't want to miss this yeah uh this year i was writing the grammys as one does and uh <laughs> the next day i was writing the beatles tribute which i was nominated for an emmy as one is and uh but at the beatles show uh, i was consulting on a 60s series which is uh, cnn playtone yes. tom yes. hanks company and tom hanks as one 
No, there's no more of those. Uh, but Tom Hanks came up to me and he said, have you seen the final edit of the show? Uh, this is the British Invasion episode yeah. of the 60s. He goes, I say, no, but I hear that I, there's way too much of me. And he went, oh, boy, is there way too fucking much of you? <laughs> and I will say that that show, I've done a million behind the music yeah. and a million uh, biographies and other horrible shows mm-hmm. about horrible music. And that 60s show made me the biggest star among old Jews at my tennis club <laughs> imaginable. I am, I, no joke, I became a superstar talking about, you know, the Beatles on CNN. <laughs> that, and that was a great, uh, that was a great episode. It of, was amazing. Yeah. No, I, I, I consulted on the music episodes of the series, and it's one of, the actual British Invasion episode is one of the best things I've ever uh, been a part mm-hmm. of. I love it. I just love how Tom Hanks and his people, Playtone, uh, they found footage of the British invasion. I never yep. saw it. And the only thing weird about it is I think, you know, we're roughly the same age. Yeah. And so the only thing is with the other the people over 60 all now think I remember the Beatles. <laughs> and the truth is I fucking don't. I remember the wings. Right, I mean, right. band on the run. Yeah, exactly. Is my Sergeant Pepper, Neil Diamond. I remember. Right. And I don't remember Neil Diamond. I remember Neil Diamond, like Heartlight. Right. you know, <laughs> right. but that's where I came in. But, my mom had the eight tracks, so yeah. I, I fell in love with it that way. The uh, and, and, and again, I'm sure that Tom Hanks is a pain in the ass to work with. Well, famously, the most difficult man in Hollywood. <laughs> uh, no, he's 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 uh, he he has a potential. So I've always thought he could be a star someday. Here's things that you and I have in common: we both love tennis. Yes, we both love Neil Diamond. Yes, uh, we both have two children. Uh, yes. And uh, we, well, bo- we both that have, we know of. We both have. Uh, we both, I like to think of Kyle as our illegitimate son now. That's true. He kind of looks like a cross between the two of us. Exactly. And then we both I think have. He favors uh, you. We both have gorgeous wives that we don't deserve. How did you know I have a gorgeous wife? Because you you tweeted a picture of the two of you going to maybe the Grammys or something. Oh, it must have been you were Emmy uh, nomination. And, yeah, you were uncomfortable in your suit, and your wife looked phenomenal. Yes. No, <laughs> my wife. Uh, what's funny is that she hates. Actually, not true. She's favored at everything I've done for the last month, mm-hmm. but she doesn't want me to put pictures of her on. Right. Because she wants plausible deniability. <laughs> <laughs> you could not put that picture on you. You both look great. Well, I have a better, there are much better ones that she won't let. And then there's a picture. I don't, and I, the part I do agree with, I don't really tweet pictures of my kid. Yeah. And they're now older, so right. it's not like that. I don't tweet. I don't do that either. Yeah. But there was one of, uh, at the Grammys this year, McCartney. I met my wife when I was. Uh, I was on the road with McCartney, and mm-hmm. we met like a week or two earlier. And Linda McCartney is part of the reason I got married to my wife. She, oh, wow. she asked if I was dating anyone. We were in South America. We came through New York. This was an arranged marriage by <laughs> Linda McCartney. <laughs> it was. It's a, and no joke, she said to me, are you dating anyone? I said, yeah. She, in fact, she's in New York. And, I, and she said, bring her to lunch tomorrow and let her watch Soundcheck. Which is a hell of a good like oh, third yeah. date. Yeah, watch because McCartney's sound checks are better than McCartney's concerts because he does anything he wants. Not, oh, that's great. Not just the songs that he always that's does. That's excellent. And uh, she went, and my wife could give a shit about music. She she ha- she owned one record, which was when I met her. It was the soundtrack to About Last Night. That was her musical collection. I just got some good songs on that. I got to yeah, tell you, John yeah. Waite and uh, Bob Seger. I cannot believe how deep you go that you know that the uh, she's the uh, sign of things to come or whatever <laughs> song from About Last Night. <laughs> I think she also had Best of Rick Springfield, which is another. I think you love Nick, Rick. Look, I he is my dream guest that I've been trying to get. Oh, I can so. get him. I I got him for Corolla. I, you uh, can get Rick Springfield I for the show. I'm going to try to make that happen. We had I had a feud that. I played out on the Corolla show for two years where 
which is based on some truth that I personally feel Rick owed me a few hundred bucks for something, uh, you know. So I just I said I. But really, what happened was I was trying to get my Twitter following uh-huh. at Wild About Music, W I L D, up, and I was and I did it first by trying to get a feud going with Rick Astley. Okay, and I passed Rick really quickly. You could take Rick Astley, but I think Rick Springfield might be able to. Oh no, he be, could, he, yeah. he kicked he kicked my ass pretty yeah. badly. I passed him at one point, but it was neck and neck. But uh, yeah, so I finally we we made the piece on the Corolla podcast uh, a month or two a couple months ago. I love him. I think Rick Springfield is an artist that people don't take seriously because I don't know because of the teeny bopper or whatever you want to call it. It's same Heart thing. Throb. I have cursed by our good looks. I know, but uh, damn it. But, but you are taken seriously because you work with a you work with a Tom Hanks and all kinds. Of taken things. seriously by the people who didn't know who I was until they Google imaged. Uh, oh, that Jew! <laughs> now today, the topic you came up with this topic. No, you did. I uh, came up with yes, it. Yes, you did. I have to say, I was very excited when you did. I I, I was going to suggest something more arcane, but this is great because I have not. Uh, and it actually led me to hear the new Neil Diamond record because I wrote. I, I reached out to his wife. Mm-hmm. Who was his manager and is now his wife? So, okay. Because if you're going to get screwed by your manager, Ma- you got to be. be wife. Uh, so, no, she's great, Katie, and she's uh, she sent me a link to the new record. So I finally heard that. I wouldn't have which heard which is it called Melody Road. Yes, Melody Road. Who produced Melody Road? It wasn't. Uh, no, it is. It was not Rick Rubin, who did but it was Don two. was and oh, Jack Knife Pierce, a guy oh, or whatever. Oh, no, who does Jack Knife like, Lee. Lee, right? Who does uh, did REM for a while? Yeah, and he did the Last Cars CD. Right. That's right. That's pretty amazing that he right. uh, he's working with some. Uh, well, I think his real name was Jack. Knife Bernstein, but he changed it to try to <laughs> sure. pass. Sure, because he knew that uh, that uh, that he would never work in this town if his last name was Jewish. God knows it's held me back. Now, um, I noticed that uh, you wrote a Neil Diamond book, and, and you brought one to give away to the listeners, and right now you're using this as a coaster. <laughs> yes, it's a coaster. I was actually, in, in the spirit of the Jewish artist, I was going to try to sell it to the listeners, but I will give it away in retrospect. No, what happened was, it was during the writer's strike, which you probably were here for. You were yeah, out here yeah, for Yeah, I lived out here for that. And I literally was like pissed off because I it was screwing me up because yeah. uh, I do these all these event shows mm-hmm. and it was getting them sort of not able to happen and I like money this is the <laughs> tradition of my people so I said I'm going to write a book in the last I, during the last I wrote it in the last three or four weeks of the writer's strike I just said I'm writing a book and I called the publisher who I knew you and wrote said, this book in three or four weeks yes and I said not only that that was the strike ended in like January mm-hmm. February I said. I'm going to write the book in the next three weeks, and I need to have it out by Christmas. Like I need, which books don't happen at any no. pace, and I made it happen, and it sold literally dozens of copies. <laughs> it's a great little book. I love. it. I call it a little book. But it's, it's a weird a great... book. It's a weird for three weeks. It was a good book. And uh, what is your writing schedule like when you write a book in three weeks? Do you just wake up and write from eight in the morning till uh, midnight? It, uh, yeah, I. I am not good, but I am quick. My wife always says that. Uh, I, I just, I just vomited it up. Do you let her uh, read it as you go along, or does she she's have no time really, for that? She's not interested. No, she does actually read the books. I she doesn't read my TV stuff ever, but uh-huh. she reads the books. Like she's a really good. Uh, uh, she, you don't get edited in books today. Right. Uh, it's a dirty little secret. Is you barely get copy edited. So I do, I, I do trust her. Uh-huh. Not with the children, but with the, <laughs> the books very much. <laughs> Hey, look, here's another part that we're going to leave in. The air conditioner just kicked on, and I'm going to turn it off, Kyle. You talked to David Wilde. Yeah, Kyle, what is your favorite Neil Diamond song? I got a feeling there are literally dozens that you have to choose from. Uh, Not so much? Yeah, no, that was my first concert with Neil Diamond. Are you serious? Yeah, when I was in fifth grade. It was forced by a parent, right? Yeah, my dad wanted to go. 
my mom couldn't go for some reason. So like I got I inherited the ticket. So um yeah, see his, his brother who's uh his brother, god damn it. His dad, which is my brother, my older brother, that's the reason that I I am a Neil Diamond fan. Right. Because when I was, you know, in grade school and my brother was in high school, he w- always was listening to Neil Diamond. So I just kind of you just go, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. I do, I like this. And um, but none of my friends or my right. wife or anyone has the the affection for Neil Diamond that I have. And not because most of the most people like him ironically now. Yeah, we went and saw Neil, you know, because, you know. Yeah, I don't I hate the irony part. Of yes, it. I do. Too. I will tell you, I think that's the secret of Neil Diamond, why he's always been able. And there's there's virtually no one, maybe McCartney, but he doesn't do this. Yeah. Neil Diamond is the only one who since our childhoods has been able to play any arena he mm-hmm. wants yep. and sell it out apropos of nothing else. No record has to, ha- he doesn't no. have to have a hit record. He can do it as many times as he wants basically. And it's even bigger in like Ireland and places like that. And I think it's because in the age of irony, which we've sort of all been raised in sort of right. Letterman years, which I love that stuff. But I think Neil is the last unironic singer songwriter i think he's sincere i think when he writes a romantic song he's writing a romantic song right and he's not doing it with a wink nope he's fucking doing it and that's why people love him one of uh there's a there there's a song uh well it's one of my diamonds in the rough i won't say what it is but when he sings that he's he's singing it from the heart i might go wow that is really hokey and corny but he doesn't sing it like it is he doesn't feel it is no no and it's funny i you had your uh brother i had my mother mm-hmm. love neil diamond and literally it was eight track tapes mm-hmm. which is audio wise the best sound ever you know yeah. and those songs that would click in the middle but my mom on carpools would play them so i literally he was like my soul food uh, yeah jewish soul food and then when i got to rolling stone in uh, 1980 Six, like out of school, I walk in my one of my first days, and Jan Wenner, the founder, editor in chief, uh, God, uh, walked into the office and said, "Who likes Neil Diamond?" Which, frankly, was a trick question. I think, yeah, because you're afraid to raise your hand in Rolling Stone, right? It's like the Bible, then the Bible of hip, and yeah. uh, I said, "I do," and he said, "Okay." He, I think, the truth is, he and Neil had inherited, inherited, Neil had donated like a big amount, a large sum Mm -hmm. to Jan's anti-gun charity. Wow. And I think he was trying to, and Neil wanted at least to do a Rolling Stone interview, the Q&A, the big lifelong career overview. It was the exact moment where Neil's career was probably at at its least hip. This was like... What year would that have been? It was like post... It was after like the heart light sort of, okay. it was sort of, you know, post jazz singer okay. and in sort of the career went into a little bit of an unhip doldrum Yeah, and he was big, sequ- lots of sequins and he was just, the only thing that hip had happened was he'd already had like uh, red, red wine it had been covered by UB40. Right. I think urge overkill had done girl. You'll be a woman soon, which is the beginning. Yeah. I believe my Rolling Stone article and urge overkill <laughs> were the beginning of the turn up and out. Was, hipness. was that a cover story? Was he on the cover for this? No, no. no. Okay. I think Robert Plant was on the cover, but it was it was like a six, seven page piece. And when I, I flew out to LA, mm-hmm. which I don't think I'd, one of my first trips to LA, and uh, it was just like everything I wanted it to be. He was like, he was, I mentioned uh, my mother loved him. Mm-hmm. And when the article came out, I got this call saying, Neil would like you to bring his mother, your mother to uh, the Brendan Byrne <laughs> Arena. And uh, and your whole family. So I brought my whole family. How good are those seats? Well, they were good. But what I didn't know was <laughs> about 
20 minutes before the show mm-hmm. began, a security guard came over and said, Mrs. Wilde, Mr. Diamond would like to see you now. <laughs> and she was escorted with us following behind into the inner sanctum. Did you think at any time that he was going to sleep with your mom? I was hoping. <laughs> By the way, it would have res- it, it got close. She's still, the picture, that picture of her with him is still on her bedside table in wow. New Jersey right now. Uh, if he was my father, it would help with a lot. Of, there have been a lot. If he was my, I, I, yeah, I, I wish. Uh, I love my dad, but that would have been nice. Um, but yeah, that was sort of the beginning of my interaction with him, and it went on. But we should probably get to a song. Before let's get it. to it. But let's. Uh, I do want. Um, so, uh, what was I going to? I forgot what I was going to say. That's okay. Okay. So uh, this is called Diamonds. Diamonds. You came up with that. No, I don't think. I think you. you no, give I swear credit. you did. I swear you okay. came up with Diamonds. Diamonds. All right, I'll take that. But uh, that's so, the sort of cleverness that I get paid the moderate bucks for. Do you do you have yours in any chronological order? Or just just mine is vaguely there? chronological, except for the first one. Okay. And I can. Should I start with the first one? Sure. Start with the first okay. one. My first one is because I think it might be the only Neil Diamond recording I might have impacted. Mm-hmm. I believe I guilted him into doing this song. This is not at all chronological, but I think when I did the Rolling Stone article, I might have been one of the first people to call him the Jewish Elvis. I think I might have coined that okay. phrase. And as a Jew, I, I embrace him. I do think I think he of is him, the Jewish Elvis. Yeah, to me, that's what he is. He's, yeah. he's you know, he, he is the Jewish Elvis. And I think he's sort of gone back and forth on whether he likes that. Right. But... So then I'm out here in L.A. for a few years doing projects with him. One of them was he asked me to produce his Behind the Music episode of VH1, which was the only VH1 episode where no, no one does anything wrong. It's no drama. Yeah, just a Jewish boy buys his publishing. I think he it's gets not ex- divorced, maybe. That's yes, it. yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but uh, when we were doing it, he played me his third Christmas record or whatever it was. <laughs> and I said, really, Neil? Or second. And I said, really? No no Hanukkah song? You can't throw us a, a Hanukkah bone oh, here? No, this is, this is because of you? I think so. <laughs> so I wanted to begin with, I believe I guilted him into doing the Hanukkah song. Oh, my God. There's a great animated video for this, too. Yes. You see, it's so good. <laughs> there are so many beautiful Christmas songs around, and... So few Hanukkah songs. So I thought we'd try this one for you. Put on your yarmulke. Here comes Hanukkah. So much Hanukkah to celebrate Hanukkah. Yeah. Hanukkah is a festival of lights. <laughs> Instead of one day of presents. We have a crazy night when you feel like the only... The only thing that could make that better is if you would have said your name at the beginning. And David Wilde <laughs> told me to sing this song. I want to say to all the people who are... Now that that, that song exists, I want to say, you're welcome. I, World. Adam Sandler must love that Neil Diamond recorded this. Well, I just thought about it last night. He's, how did Neil not make the song? It's like you're talking <laughs> right. about Jews. I know, yeah. Rock. Uh, I don't know. The... um. I, before I did this this morning because I wanted to, I, I thought in my head that um, I have. Uh, do you still have CDs, yes. David? So oh, do I. Yeah. I totally love the physical aspect of, of music. So, uh, so I went. I was pretty sure that Neil Diamond was the artist that I had the most CDs of on my shelf. So I went and checked today. I figured it would be between him and the Rolling Stones. And I'm happy to say Neil has won. It was thirty-seven to thirty-four. 
because I can't think of any other artist that I that I you know Springsteen has a lot of albums, but not. He's in, been thirty. Springsteen picked up his pace for years. It was like he waited six years. I think he's like now. I think he's like oh, you know what? The end is uh, is is in sight. Yes, <laughs> you know, exactly. age is creeping up. So yeah. let's get some music out yeah, while on mobile. That's right. Let's do this. Here's another one. <laughs> uh, you know, Neil also has like four hundred compilations, which I've Wait, he written. Does. I've written liner notes for about eighteen. Uh, so I know that they Absolutely, just keep you they, have. they keep uh, pumping them out there. And it's, it's so funny because they're always. There's so many because I always I, there's you can't have a definitive one. Well, what happened? Was, it was split for years between the well the bang stuff, which is so great. That's like the uh, the Sanskrit. That's the, uh, yes. the that's the holy grail of all of it. And then there's but that was acquired eventually by Columbia. But then there was all the MCA, MCA Universal stuff, stuff yep. and they were split. Now then the record industry is so it, dead. It's all under now the it's, same now, umbrella. Yeah, it's all just one record company called Fuck You Buy This Shit <laughs> again. <laughs> Well, let's hear one. This is from Neil's first album, which is a, a bang album, and it's uh, the feel of Neil. I love the feel of Neil Diamond, <laughs> and this is uh, this is a hit. This is one of the few hit, hits I have on my list. This is a uh, solitary man. Greatest song ever written. One of my favorite songs. So of all amazing. Time. And uh, I when I think when I hear that song now, I always think of this quote he gave me for that Rolling Stone article because mm-hmm. it was to me the greatest, most sort of casually weird quote ever. He goes. Because the thing about Neil is he is a solitary man. He mm-hmm. does not belong in any genre. In any, no. He's never fit in anywhere. He goes like, yeah, you could put me in a – you could put me anywhere and I wouldn't fit in. And he, his actual quote that I think I ended up using as like the pull quote or the headline of the article was like, am I a rock person or what the hell am I? Like he didn't – He doesn't he, know. No, he doesn't even know. And he goes like – he just was talking about the last waltz, which will come up in one of my songs. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he said – I just don't fit in. There's no place you can put me where I'm going to fit in, which I think is why I like him. It's like right. he is true to himself. But yet if you saw him on the street, you'd be like, oh, that's Neil Diamond. I'll tell you a thing about that, which is interesting. I spent I spent a lot of time with him, and he was literally one of my childhood heroes. And it's So I, I've always like sort of enjoyed the time I mm-hmm. spent with him. But one of the things that's interesting is even during the sort of more glittery, uh, you know, beads, he doesn't like what he doesn't, there's what it's beads. It's, it's beads, very important. Not sequins. It's not sequins. It's beads. It's, beads. <laughs> it's a big distinction. In the well, that's probably a heavier shirt than yes. sequins. Oh yeah. No, he bears that weight well, <laughs> but he, uh, he looked cool when you hung out with him, he would have, he would be scruffy. Mm-hmm. He would wear jeans and he would look like a real kind of old Badass Jewish guy. Yeah. And then he would get dressed up and I wouldn't relate as much. But then Rick Rubin, I think, in addition to being a great producer yeah. for him, also just reminded him, hey, you look better like this. Yeah. Just be you, be yourself. He's got a beard on the new album cover. Yeah. He, he's, he, he's, uh, he's, and I just saw him. I haven't seen him in a few months. I saw him mm-hmm. like two months ago. He did a, a Notre Dame, the, one, the, one of the private schools, yeah, yeah, a yeah. Catholic school. Right he did the, the opening of the baseball field oh and he God. sang Sweet Caroline and I was invited and I saw him there and he was like, he went, he sang it with a beard. It was great. I, uh, I, I almost, I, I almost, 
I don't like when he sings it live now and everyone goes bump bump. I would rather it, it makes it like hokey to me. I would I would rather him just you know just sing it, but the, he can't stop the audience from doing that. Yeah, no, it's become a it's special become a thing. Effect. It's a theme park of a song. Yeah, now. like you can't just come out and go, okay, when Neil sings Sweet Caroline, please don't sing along. But I raised a Boston Red Sox fan, so he, I I support it for that reason. Okay. It's become this special Boston thing. Uh, my. Second song. Should I go to my second yes, song? Yes, absolutely. This is one you talked about the bang, and for people who don't know, Bang was this label run by uh Burt Burns. It was sort of a probably a little mobbed out label that uh <laughs> he was on and cool little uh logo with a Derringer. Derringer, yeah, exactly. Originally. Then I think they changed that eventually, but uh he got off quickly and somehow like the only guy in history who managed to not get screwed over and yeah own everything it's like literally when i produced this behind the music it's like he's the greatest guy in the world because it's like uh, who owns that me who owns that me <laughs> me and then when i wanted the lyrics for this book i said who do i have to get the lyrics of he goes me me wow and how much do you want how much do you want from uh nothing wow so you know he's so sweet he's a d- nice guy uh oh, my second song is uh it's an a really obscure bang song because Bang, there was, for years, it was just this Columbia record called The Classics, which were like the biggest Bang songs. Right, right, And right. it's the record to start with. And he looks like Elvis on the cover of uh, that album. Yeah, it's got the hair cool. slicked back, and yeah. But I, it's my favorite stuff. But they, then more recently, they did a really good Bang anthology of like everything. Yep, two CDs. Is yeah. it two CDs? I think no, it's, it's one. Or did they no, squeeze it all in one? I think it's two. Okay, cool. But I'm not... I'm, but, I'm not going to argue with you, David. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to argue You've with you. have met the man t- uh, 20 times. Exactly. Uh, but there's a song on there called uh the long way home and i love it because he always sort of pointed out to me that like it's you know you say he looks like elvis like Mm -hmm. because we're coming at a little we were a little too little to quite remember this yeah but it really was happening as the beatles were taking off and he was influenced he talks about how he was influenced by the beatles and in fact i'm sorry this is another story i just one of my great (laughs) moments with him i have a lot of neil stories i don't have stories about anything else my kids i could give a shit well normally normally when we do a topic the the person i'm sitting across from doesn't have a story about the artist so yeah please please say it this is my beatles neil story he always talked about i love the beatles and this song that i'm going to play has a real beatles influence and i love it and no one knows it and i don't think it was available for years it's called the long way home but this reminds me of uh, at the grammys like five years ago Paul was performing and Neil was performing. Mm-hmm. And I believe somewhere along the time when Paul was getting the balladeer rep in the 70s, 80s, he might have said something bad about Neil Diamond, like, I'm not Neil Diamond. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, and so, and I've sort of watched and advocated as a voter for the Rock and Roll of Fame. You know, Neil got in eventually. Yes. I've been sort of his advocate. In the book, I actually wrote the book partly saying, to get, him in there. get him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. This guy has earned his spot. And uh, so I'm at this thing, and I'm there writing the show, but I'm also trying to always help Neil. Yeah. And Neil is rehearsing Sweet Caroline, because he's, oh, he's Music Cares Man of the Year, so he's performing on the Grammy show. And Paul, who is like, he comes to Grammy rehearsals and watches everyone. It's like this really cool thing. Uh, so he's sitting there with his soon-to-be new wife, mm-hmm. and... Uh, Neil walks towards me, you know, walking down the front row, like he's gonna, which he did on the show. Yeah. He, but he's rehearsing the, what his little walk, stroll, Neil strut thing, Jewish strut. <laughs> and, uh, and so, like, he's walking past me, and I'm sitting right in front of Paul, mm. and I'm going to Neil, I'm signaling with my head. Here's he's, Paul. Look, go, go say hello. Go make nice. <laughs> like, trying to get these, like, a play date mm. with uh, icons. And he finally noticed that that's who was there. Yeah. And then Neil, the next day, said, like, I thought I didn't like Neil Diamond. He's fantastic. You know, and it was like, <laughs> I was like, I said, boy, that play date really worked out. 
Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I mean, I couldn't think of two people that I think would be nicer guys than Paul McCartney and Neil Diamond. They, if you put them in a room together, they would probably dig each other like crazy. I think they hit it off, and I th- hope that yeah. I think it was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. But it began. You hear the long, the long way home. Uh, this is before Super Tramp and Roger Hodgson. This is a, uh, but this is a great little Beatlesque song from the Bang era. You gotta leave it until it gets Beatlish in about 40, 30, 40 now seconds. I'm back. I know that girl. It's all right here. Here's where it gets John and Paul. Girl, I do. That is really nice. I forgot about that one. Is your wife a Neil Diamond fan? Yes. Uh, and in fact, uh, her parents are Neil Diamond fans. She's, yes, she likes Neil very much. But uh, yeah, like one of my first dates with her was mm-hmm. uh, I took her, her and her parents to see Neil at like the Orange County, you know, and it was like every Jew in Orange County gathers into an arena <laughs> to see Neil Diamond. It was great. You can only get a ticket if you were Jewish. Yes, exactly. Did you see, uh, did you see him at any of the, I'm sure you did, the Greek shows that he did? Yeah. The, um, when he did, the, was that like two years ago? Yeah. Or so? But uh, it was the first time in 26 years that he played at the Greek. Yes. And I will, I don't think she'll be mad at this, but uh, I got a call from his manager wife katie mm-hmm. who's really great uh and gr- done a great job both ways he seems so happy this yeah. record is you'll hear that in fact he had to find some old girlfriend to write the really nasty <laughs> angry song about <laughs> called like heartache uh it's a great song uh because heartache does usually uh inspire Play. good songs yes. um oh but she called me and she goes what night are you going and i'm going i'm not going yet i'm really not going and she goes uh you have to go. He's asking if you're going. I'm like, it's one of those tours. Increasingly, there are these tours where there's no freebie tours. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> frankly, after I, the, the people who I love, I've now seen 30, 40 times. Right. So to dip into your wallet and see them again. Yeah. For is, five. Yeah. I don't, I, I just have hit this point with two kids going to college where right. I, I don't, I tend to wait till people offer me a ticket. And to get a good seat, it's a lot of money. Yes. Yeah, out here in LA, I guess everywhere, but out here especially, I think. So eventually, yeah, they did say, okay, we're going to sneak you in, but don't tell anyone, you know, <laughs> you can stand there and we want you to see Jack Black and Neil singing. Uh, <laughs> and actually that reminded me of the, one of the worst. So now why would your wife not, who would, who would not want you to tell this story? Your Katie, wife? his oh, okay, wife. Katie, I don't know. Cause she did give me a free ticket. Okay. I'm just, you know, I'm sorry, Katie, if I outed you. But you're generous. And you outed her for being nice. For being nice to me. Okay. Uh, but I will say, I will out my own wife for breaking my heart when there was one time when Neil's, my birthday mm-hmm. happened to be Neil invited us to go see him at the House of Blues wow. seeing Super Diamond. He was, it was a Super Diamond show and he was, and he wanted to, us to, we sat at his table with him and watched Super Diamond, who were great, great yeah. tribute band that people have seen. It was a part of the the promotion, I think, for uh, Saving Silverman. Okay. And uh, Jack Black was there and everyone. But he, halfway through the show, said, uh, I'm going to get up and sing with him. you got to stick around. And my wife goes, we have to go with the babysitter. I told her I'd be back. <sighs> we'd, we'd be home by 1030. And I'm like, are you, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> and, it, and we left. We did. We left. Oh, my God. And it's like, the, so that the 
the babysitter wouldn't have to leave 20, 20 minutes later. And I've still never gotten over that. The marriage has not recovered. Couldn't she take a cab home or you could yeah. take a cab home? Yeah, I, I didn't. And I'm still married. Damn so. it. Because that's, that's what you do when you're married to a much better looking woman. <laughs> this is, oh, I know, I know how, I know what that's like. Here's what, uh, this is, this is, uh, his, his, uh, Kyle's dad and my brother Kirk, um, uh, he doesn't like to fly, hates to fly. But, uh, uh, my sister-in-law and I always had planned that, you know, if Neil ever plays the Greek theater again, do you think you'll be able to get Kirk to fly out here? And his mom said, absolutely. So we got the tickets. Put him. I I, sent, I I mailed him like a, a love at the Greek album cover. I had like little balloons like coming out of Neil's mouth, like Kirk, it's time, right. you know, all that kind of stuff. Sent it to him, all the tickets. He said, "I'll think about it." So he said, "I'll think about it," and then he didn't end up coming out. That's the path not taken. That's that, got to be a regret, right? That's it has to be, right? That's that's rough. I mean, you Neil at the Greek. Yeah, you know. No, I. By the way. Hot August Night, which I have one song on I'm going to play, I think, of one of my songs, mm-hmm. is amazing. But the, the crazy one is Love at the Greek, which was the second live album yeah, there. Yeah, because uh, Henry Winkler yeah, the Henry out. Winkler, the, the, the Henry Winkler shtick is just like, you know, he, it he, makes me anti-Semitic. He calls him Bubba. He actually says Bubba. And then Henry Winkler sings, he asked him to sing it like the Fonz would sing it. Song Sung Blue. Yeah, sing exactly. Exactly what you don't want to hear if you're Henry Winkler. It's crazy. It was wacky stuff. Um my, I'm going to switch my next song because I had Solitary Man and you played it already. Right. So can you go to track four and I'll tell you. David, am I never going to get to play another song? Oh, no. Was that your, did I skip your song? <laughs> did I skip your song? Oh, no. It's your song. No, go ahead. Play no, no, this because you ramped up. I'm just joking with you. You oh, ramped no. up. I know. I, don't, I didn't mean to. I'm That's sorry. okay. No, I want, you, I want to hear your okay. song. I'll, okay. I will. Although I was just joking with you. Yes. I, um, this, is a, this is a song from uh, Velvet Gloves and Spit, 1968. And this is another one, great title. Yeah, I know. It's great. And this is one of those songs that, uh, that Neil writes that I can see exactly what's happening. I can, I'm right there with, with, what, with what is happening in this song. And I this think is it's called one of my songs. This is called Brooklyn Roads. Damn you, sir. And I'll see two boys. Racing up two flights of staircase Squirming into Papa's embrace And his whiskers warm on their face Where's it gone? Oh, where's it gone? Two floors above the butcher First door on the right filled to the brim as I stood by my window and looked out on those Brooklyn roads. I mean, uh, unbelievable. I mean, that almost makes you tear up. No, that's, uh, I played that song. I actually listened to, probably listened to Neil Diamond 500 hours with my in-laws sitting around, mm-hmm. you know, the pool in the backyard. And they're from New York, you know, come yeah. out here. That, this is, Deep soul music to them. That's it, I mean, it's very powerful. I, I grew up in small town Pennsylvania, and and that song makes me think and feel exactly what it would have been like to live in Brooklyn. Well, I'll tell you, I, I just came back from two back to back shows that I was writing mm-hmm. or working on in Brooklyn, and I've never been. I, I I think Jewish parents who grew up in Brooklyn spend their life trying to not be back in Brooklyn. Yeah. Now Brooklyn's hip and groovy, but right. for them it was like trying, you know, my parents moved to New Jersey and, you know, uh, moved up a class or so, mm-hmm. but I just spent the last two weeks working right by the Brooklyn bridge. And it made me think about, uh, I was, a 
producer on a Neil Diamond TV special for CBS. It was a, he did a, like the Greek, uh, he, he did Madison Square Garden and it was a CBS special. And for an open, they asked me what he, you know, want, how he should do it. I said, I want to write a little monologue mm-hmm. with him and have him walk across the Brooklyn Bridge, like the trip to New York. Is this the one where he goes, uh, where he went to his old apartment building yes, where he grew up? Exactly. That was a, you wrote that? Uh, I was a producer on that. That's one, amazing. Yes. And uh, oh no, thank you. But the funny thing is, I wrote the Brooklyn Bridge scene having never walked over the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> okay. And then uh, I was shooting something else, so I was not there. And it was a British director who does the Oscars and things. Mm-hmm. Kind of, Hamish Hamilton, who's great. They were there, and Ian Stewart, his producer. But they called me from the bridge. He goes, it's fucking impossible to shoot this bridge. Like it was, uh, <laughs> It's like wood planks and the sound, you know, and everything. It was cool anyway, but yeah. it was, I think I made it difficult. Now, I literally have walked it, I, I think I walked it 20 times in the last two weeks, having never done it before. But I was listening to Brooklyn Road's Walking over it just the last week or two. I mean, just the, just that line, life filled to the brim. Oh, my God. It's no. just... He, you know, that's the thing. For all the irony and the joking, yeah. I think the guy is a great poetic, unironic yeah. storyteller. And it's sort of like, you know, Leonard Cohen and him are viewed totally different. The mm-hmm. critics always love Leonard Cohen. I see them as similar. I just think he is... What's interesting about him is he's one of the last guys who really comes out of that New York Tin Pan Alley thing yeah. that's not just the Brill Building. He's came, he started in the Brill Building, but his influences are very much Tin Pan Alley, Broadway. Exactly. That sort of... And here's one of my favorite Neil stories that he ever told me. I, I, I love this story. Uh, he was working at the Brill Building or one of the next door, I think, actually, of buildings, and there were two guys next to him writing all these Jewish songs. And mm-hmm. he was like... These poor schmucks, what the hell are they wasting their time on? And it was Fiddler on the Roof. It was those guys who were in the next cubicle over writing Fiddler on the Roof. Uh, How come there hasn't been like a, a, a biopic about the Brill Building? Oh, there ha- there was one. Well, there was, it was with uh, Ileana Douglas. Yeah, that one. But it was based on it. Grace but it of My Heart. It was. But a, was it ex- yeah. it was, no, but not it wasn't, exactly. They didn't call it the Brill Building, did they? I'll tell you the heartbreak for me, which maybe this podcast can reverse, is <laughs> Playtone originally wanted to turn my book into a into a a, a musical, a Broadway musical. Wow, uh, this Neil Diamond book. Yes, but they wanted to be the. If you read the book, which no one will or has to, I weirdly my original idea was I wanted to be a book about me and Neil. Mm-hmm. So it was like I I'd interweave in my own life to Neil. Yeah, and their idea was. Make the musical about you, about not you, not me, the particulars of my life, but a Jewish kid growing up on Neil Diamond, and then use the music as to tell the life of American life uh, for the American Jewish life, really, yeah, yeah, for the yeah. last like 40 years. I still would love to do it. So, hey, look, this, get with the going. success of Jersey Boys, I don't think that this is a bad idea at all. No, well, the thing is, yeah, I can't say too much more. Who, but you, I, who would you cast as David Wilde? Uh, I think Yafit Koto. I think <laughs> I think Koto has the right look. I, you know, Yafit Koto is African American. He's, he's in a James Bond movie. He's, he's just. I get a lot of Yafit Koto. A lot of people, are you Yafit Koto or David Wilde? I don't believe that. Okay, don't get that. I actually, actually, a lot of people come up and ask me if I'm Hector Elizondo. So I get it. <laughs> I uh, I did have nine lines, nine words in This Is Forty. So I think I would play me. I'm the youthful me. You were in This Is Forty. Let's I was you're brilliant in that. No. Let's let's go. Let's keep going with songs. Okay, it's your turn. My story. It's your turn. You you had Brooklyn Roads on your list. So also. I'm going to switch. I'm going to okay. well. I'm going to go to number four. Now, this is another story. Uh, this is. I was having a great time with Neil. We're bonding. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But we got into a little argument where he said... Put up your dukes, dude. Yeah, put up your Jewish dukes. <laughs> uh, and he said... Um, I think it was about the fact that he goes, uh, the monkeys uh, did two of my songs. I said, well, actually, they did a third. It didn't come out till later, but uh, he goes, no, they did not. Uh, I go, they said, yeah, they did Love to Love, which is another kind of obscure bang, yeah. bang record. He goes, no, they did not. So I had to go back home and find it. Find it. And like in those days, you couldn't like just go to your iTunes. No. I had to like copy it off of a cassette <laughs> and send it to him off of some rhino monkey collection. <laughs> but I did send it to him. And this is the original. This is a Love to Love. Uh, it should be number four. Love's a thing that needs warmth to thrive on Then it grows, at least that's what I've been told You can't love someone if you find that All you get in return is a heart that's cold They say you need love to love You gotta have love to love They all say little horns there in the background like, really great arrangements <laughs> production the uh, how cool was it when uh, when you were a kid and you saw the the neil diamond 12 greatest hits album cover the silver yeah. outline and just that picture him with that that hair i don't even know yeah but it was like it went like up and then it came down and he just had like this badass look on his face like he looked great on that he's a well, that, that's part of it he's a great looking guy mm-hmm. and in a way that like not your average Jewish guy, frankly. Yeah. And I will say, uh, he he's not your average guy in any way. Uh, how many Jewish guys do you know who were fencing champs? He was a right. fencing champ in college, you know, and he could have got he got a scholarship, I think, mm-hmm. for fencing. That's not, believe me, I know a lot of Jewish guys. I know mm-hmm. they're at the tennis club, but yeah. fencing, not not so much. And he, um, I mean, talk about a guy too. I mean, this is this is a guy that that did it on his own. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that the Beatles and other people didn't, but I mean, really, I mean, the whole career is just him, his guitar, his voice, and what he what he writes from his pen. That's and, and he's amazing. No, that's well said, and I will say, uh, having spent enough time with him, he has a real sense of himself that he had to because he goes, listen, for years it was like. Nobody liked me except the millions of people showing up. He goes like, <laughs> I was not hip. I was not cool. Right. I was not uh, respected. Mm-hmm. I just was loved by these people who showed up. And most of them are women. Yeah. It's like being a male Neil Diamond fanatic, I you know, I could get a lot of uh, middle-aged heavyset trim if I wanted to. <laughs> well, and, and, and again, these performers are not the same type of a performer. But it's like it's like it's like being a Barry Manilow fan too. Well, let's. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have to play Denmark on that because <laughs> I I've worked with Barry a lot too, but I don't think that comparison is one that Neil enjoys, and I think Barry okay. is underrated in a different way. So do I. Uh, but yeah, they're different. They're they're different, but they are both real talents. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I will tell you, it's so funny when, uh, and, I, and I, I, I like Barry too. Not, not as, not as wildly as I like Neil, but I've yes. seen Barry in concert. He's phenomenal. Yes. Uh, and I would trust him more around my wife. 
uh, if I had given that that Sophie's choice. Yes. Yes. Um, no, he's. A, they're both. They're both great guys. Right. And it's really interesting. People, critics especially, and I am. And I'm not limping critic. Neil in with with Barry because I think Neil Did you say is limping. Lumping. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> lumping him either. in with Barry, and it, but that makes it sound like a negative one, Barry. But you know what I mean. No, I think you know. I, I, yeah, you know, I completely. I I I I think there's room for both. Right. And I think Neil. Whereas I don't think Barry does belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Barry right. is not a rock. No, person. I agree I with you. He's that kid who grew up in New York, loving everything but rock. Really, right. yeah. But Neil is fucking rock and roll. He is. He and I think his individuality makes him more of a badass. I think, yeah. you know, it's like to have to be the rugged individualist right. he has. To me, that's really cool. Anyone who feathers their sideburns for that many years. Or he has sideburns. Deserves that. to be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I I do. I love my Neil. Uh, I'm gonna jump. Uh, I'm gonna jump a couple songs, Kyle, to uh, to an album called Taproot Manuscript. Yep. I mean, long before Paul, Paul Simon was doing Graceland, he beat the other Jew to Africa. That's right. He did, and, um, and beat Toto too. And this is a song. It, 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 this is a weird song, but I love this song. It's so I don't know what I love about it, but I do. It's called I Am the Lion. And listen to this. There's lots of craziness in here. That was a flood. And many poor men were killed. And that is why our house is built on the top of a hill. The plains are like the grass. Why can't we live on this? And if the virtue comes, why can't we run? Now, this album also has Done Too Soon on it. So long yeah. before Billy Joel was, was listing uh, a bunch of stuff from history, Neil Diamond was doing it. How much better is Done Too Soon than... I See, I did a cover story in Rolling Stone about uh, Billy Joel when we didn't start the fire. Stormfront. That, okay, uh, yes. I, you know, people wildly remember, popular. Oh, and the cover was wildly unpopular because it was had a green tint and it looked very much like Kermit the Frog <laughs> on the cover of Rolling Stone. I'm a Billy Joel fan my Me whole too. life. I grew up... In the age, really, of my teenage years mm-hmm. where Bruce and Billy Joel and New Jersey and, yeah. and Long Island kids would rumble over Bruce versus Billy. That's right. Glass Houses versus uh, The River. That was sort of the feud. Oh, boy. That's a tough one for that's me. Those good. are two of my favorite uh, from both of those artists. Right. So I, that's right where I grew up. Yeah. In the middle of that, uh, my summer at Cornell's summer program, mm-hmm. that was a big battle. That was a, a gang war. <laughs> that was jungle land for us. Uh, but... Uh, I don't even know what we're talking about. We're talking about Done Too Soon. Oh, but Done Too Soon. So when I got to write about Billy, it was on Stormfront, which Mm. is a pretty good record, except I think We Didn't Start the Fire is one of the worst songs I've ever heard. And what (laughs) it is, is it's like, what if Done Too Soon sucked? (laughs) That's what We Didn't Start the Fire was. It's like, what if we we took Done Too Soon by Neil Diamond and made it sound like uh, we didn't build, we built this city. Like it made it really (laughs) shitty. You compare it with We Built This City. Co-written by Bernie Toppin. I've said that many times. The worst times. thing yeah. he ever did. It's crazy. I can't forgive him. It's a war crime. I love I love my Bernie Toppin, but that's a war crime of a song. You have to admit, though, Marconi does the mambo. Right? <laughs> no, I shall never. I shall never. <laughs> well, since you went, uh, you went deep and sort of rough diamond there, I'm going to jump. Can I jump to a rough diamond? 
Yeah, um, I don't, but you know what? But I don't think that's a rough diamond. Oh, see, I really I, love Taproot Manuscript. That side B, which is the African influence with Suleiman. Oh no, he all went that to an African studies major at Hunter <laughs> College, who came and lectured him. I mean, he really did research and okay. stuff like that. He was ahead of the curve, uh, and I think also probably stoned, which leads me to my yes. next song, which oh, is I know what this is the Pot Smoker song, yes. which is one of the most inexplicable recordings of all time. And I've asked him to explain it Mm -hmm. and be accountable. I think what it was, was it is a anti-pot song written by someone who is profoundly stoned. That's my (laughs) best guess. This would be the pot smoker song. Pot, pot, give us some pot. Forget what you are, you can be what you're not. High, high, I want to get high. Never give it up if you give it a try. Here comes the crazy part. Yep. La, 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 la. I started when I was 13, and uh, I had saw some people smoking pot, and I bought myself a nickel bag. So he got real audio of yes, like addicts, of junkies, of junkie pot addicts. Yeah. <laughs> and I smoked that uh, bag. Yeah, this you know, is a, if anything but made Neil on hip at that exact moment, it would probably be the anti-pot song that sounds... Stoned. Yeah, it sounds like puppets should be singing it too. Yeah, like from Sesame Street or something. That is a, that's a rough. rough and then time. each uh, each spoken word gets worse and worse. Yes. Like the next, I'm shooting heroin in my spine and all this. It's just <laughs> yeah. And then it's this la 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 between. It's it's really a crazy song that did not inspire love among the Rolling Stone uh, <laughs> editors. I don't think. Um, do you have a favorite Neil Diamond album? Like a singular one? Um, I weirdly. Listen to his recent stuff. Mm-hmm. I um, I have a certain uh, fondness for Beautiful Noise, which is a record that Robbie Robertson yeah, from produced the band. from the band. And that was another thing where that's one of my favorite parts in the interview uh, is he told, uh, if you read that interview from Rolling Stone, I think you can still find it. He said, uh, where would we find this online? At RollingStone.com. I think you could just search really? or just Google David. They have Wild a website, Wilson. this magazine. That yes. you're talking oh, about. Yeah, okay. they, got, they, got, okay, they cool. have a web presence. Uh, <laughs> a or web could, presence. Or you could just tw- follow me at Wild About Music and I'll find some way to get it to oh, do I'll that. retweet the whole do an article link. line 140 characters at a time. But he you, told me, you, I'm sorry. You're going to string tweet it like <laughs> one of 35. Yes, okay. Exactly. But the, some of the crazy stories he told me about that were like, I think he was like, didn't want to, he wanted to have Thanksgiving dinner with uh, his, it was the, because they did it, the, the Last Waltz was a Thanksgiving dinner, like at the Winterland yeah. or whatever. Now this is this is the documentary directed by Martin Scorsese yes. about the band. It yes. was their last performance, right? Yes. And, uh, well, with Robbie Robertson. Before with Robbie he, Robertson. Before he went off to, uh, and, uh, but like, yeah, Neil had a private jet waiting to take him back so he could still make Thanksgiving with his family. Like, that's what a Jewish rock star does. Right. They don't, you know, they're not going to have dinner with the Rick Danko when they can have dinner with their <laughs> their little mishpuka. Levon Helm gets a little out of hand if they oh, run out of gravy. Exactly. He did not like it. Exactly. Uh, but uh, he told me some crazy story, which is something like Dylan was on after him or something, mm-hmm. and he walked off stage and said to Dylan, ironically, try to follow that. <laughs> 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 like, and like, if you watch, Neil is great. Yes. Actually, he's and got the, he's, he's got big sunglasses yeah, yeah, on. Exactly. I think he's got a blue jacket and maybe like a red shirt. He does not have the horrible leisure suit that Van Morrison. No. Like Van Morrison wears like the worst yeah. leisure suit in rock history. Yep. Uh, Neil Young has a rock of cocaine that they had yep. to digitally remove like from his nose. But Neil Neil had the glasses right, like the Jewish aviator uh, yeah. sort of look. 
Uh, but he does a song, which I guess, is it your turn or my turn for a song? It's your turn. Okay, so I think let's skip to Dry Your Eyes, which is a song he sang back by the band. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is a great song. Yeah. And, you know, Neil didn't fit in and fuck people who didn't get it. Dry your eyes, take your song out. It's a newborn afternoon And if you can recall the singer You can still recall the tune Dry your eyes and play it slowly Like you're marching off to war Sing it like you know he'd want it Like we sang it once before And from the center of the circle So good. Yeah, we better stop before he wants publishing. <laughs> That's true. I always feel that if you can listen to 90 seconds of it on iTunes for free, we're okay. Okay, good, yeah. Um, the, uh, you know what's funny is Robbie Robertson also produced the Love at the Greek live CD. Yes, with Henry with, where, where Henry Winkler sings. It's yes. so funny because like Beautiful Noise kind of was Neil trying to get some cred. Yes. And then, and then, and then Robbie had to produce that too. That's probably a deal I'll do two in a row. Yes, exactly. It was a two for one special. Oh, I have a I have a song from the Beautiful Noise uh, album, uh, and this is called. Uh, let's hear a little bit of "Surviving the Life." See, I hear in those songs, I do hear his love of Broadway, yes. his love of like you know church music. Like, yeah, I think exactly. He, he's like last guy. He 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 definitely like he moved as a kid to Wyoming for a little mm-hmm. while. He heard country music, so that comes yeah. in. He really is sort of Catholic in his taste yeah. for a Jewish guy. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, spiritual um, gospel influence in, in a lot, of, and that's why I wanted to play that to give a little bit of that to the people who just. No, forever in blue jeans. Well, that would be the opening of my musical uh, about me <laughs> with the old songs. That was my concept was it would begin at my bar mitzvah with Brother Love's Traveling Salvation Show where the Jewish congregation right. really breaks into Brother Love. Uh, yeah, no, I love that song. I, um, It's funny. we uh, In picking, it's really hard to pick. There's so Once you're in with Neil, you're in yeah. pretty deep. Uh, my next song, I'm going to switch to... Just an example of, with all the things we're talking about, we're forgetting the fact that Neil was being covered. You know, Neil was not just a huge recording artist, but he wrote, like, in the early peak, mm-hmm. when he broke, every, you know, he was having the monkeys have huge hits with yes. his songs, uh, and he's had so many covers. But just as an example, one of the things he told me years ago was... Uh, I mean, one of the best-known monkey songs. 
Oh yeah, I'm a believer. That's I mean, and little bit me, little bit you is pretty big. Yeah, and then love to love no one remembers. Right, but I wanted to play another cover just as a sort of nod to the fact that people cover Neil. And he said something to me once, which was, he said, you know, the weird thing is with all the issues critics have had with me. He goes, musicians always got me. Right. He goes like, I never had a problem with a musician. He goes, I definitely never had a problem with a black musician. He goes like, Miles Davis would come up to me and go like, oh, I like you, you do. You know, and in one of the examples of... But I, I wonder what Miles Davis thought of Neil in blackface in the jazz singer movie. <laughs> oh my, the jazz singer. We, we could do a whole... Just the jazz singer. I, I mean, the movie. Just sit oh, and watch it together. And exactly. <laughs> director's cut. Non-director's oh, cut. God. I will tell you, I, I, I think that... I think the I interrupted singer. your Miles Davis, though. Oh, what no. You say. Okay. Oh, no. Well, I'll, no, but I'll interrupt. I think what you said is more interesting. The, uh, uh, But the acting with him, I think the jazz singer, I don't like the jazz singer. No. I love... Certain of the musical moments very much. Yes, because that's what he does. Yes. Oh, yeah. He, He's like, not an actor. Yeah. Well, here's the weird part about that. <laughs> so I'm producing the behind the music on him. And I say, Neil, you know, one of the famous stories is I Am I Said, which is not on my list. I don't know if it's on your list. But, it's, it's not, but okay. it's too avoid many. The, yeah, I tried to avoid the hits yeah, for the me most too. part. But I Am I Said was written after he, ought, he had done a screen test for a, to play Lenny Bruce I know. in a movie. And not it was, which went to Dustin Hoffman. Well, it sort of it's not the same. Not it was the a same different movie. producer. Okay. It sort of switched. That's what people think. It wasn't. And uh, but here's the weird thing. I said, Neil, who? Where is there any way you can tell me how I could see the screen test? Because <laughs> he wrote it after thinking he screwed up the screen test. Right. He goes, Yeah, I own it. He, <laughs> he bought owns, the screen test. The screen test. <laughs> so I put it in that behind the music, and it is the crazy fact that I cannot explain to you. I don't remember seeing it. I've it's in to, there. I've it, got to check it out. I now think I, I don't remember it. it. I put. I was allowed to put like thirty seconds of it in or something. But I've watched the entire screen test, and here's the weird fact: he was a great Lenny Bruce. It makes no sense if you've seen the jazz singer. Right. You go. He, he's not an actor. He was great in this screen test. Like he was. He. I'm not saying he was. Dustin Hoffman, great, right. but he was pretty great, and so I can't explain his act. You know, his what he. I think he could have acted. He's he just was not good in the jazz singer, and the jazz singer was badly directed. Yeah, uh, in my opinion, they tried to salvage it. I think they switched directors, but in any case, that is not my favorite. But oh, and the cat, the, the jazz singer cast, it's crazy. It's Neil Diamond, Lawrence Olivier. Lucy Arnaz. Lucy Arnaz, Franklin yeah, Jai. Yeah. It's like it's like who puts that together? It literally is a random drawing out of a hat of a cast. And, but uh, but whenever there's a musical sequence, it's great, and then everything else is not so not hot. so great. No, no. And then I didn't. I I think I might have uh, considered adding like my name is Yussel or one of these one <laughs> right. of the things like that. It's like also if you're how do you not play Jerusalem? That, uh, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> But to show that he's right, that other musicians always got him, mm -hmm. and that he is soulful, uh, I wondered if you would play just as an example of him being covered by the artist. People don't really know this one at all. This is I'm a Believer, not by the mm -hmm. Monkees, but by one of my favorite groups. And I know from listening to every one of your podcasts, you're not primarily a soul man. Mm -hmm. But I think here's a group that, because you love songs, that yes. you would love if you investigated more, the Four Tops. This is the Four Tops doing I'm a Believer. Someone else, but not for me. Oh, love was out to get me. That's the way it seemed. Disappointments haunted all of my dreams. Then 
That kicks out. See, that's awesome. And he was probably he was probably so excited when the Four Tops covered one of his songs. He's very generous about like people who cover him. Like mm-hmm. I've never. I think the Deep Purple doing Kentucky Woman might have thrown him a little bit. <laughs> yes. I, I like it very much. Yeah. Uh, but he loves no. Like in UB40, it was like he loved that. You know, it was like for him and to get that sort of you know big. That, that was at a moment where he needed that. Right. And Urge Overkill is so cool with so Girl a Woman singing, which is a great. Song. song it is there's a whole in fact if you if you ever want me back the thing would be great would be i think that belongs on the list of like creepy songs from older guys about younger girl songs that like that there's the, it started with that when gary puckett made a career that there's bernie mardonis into the night oh, that's the, which is a, the ultimate scary epitome i just heard martha quinn was talking about that off, off how great off was mic. she on the I, I know her now through twitter a tweet with her a i lot, know yeah she's cool she was great guest yeah she was super and still cool. cute her and Susanna hoffs are so cute if I can say that. Oh, no. I brought, I'm going to say that. I brought Susanna into Corolla, and uh-huh. it was like we were both were like, it was just the two of us and her doing a spe- an hour, and I'd asked her to come in. I hadn't seen her in years. Yeah. I knew her like bangle time, and we were both sitting there like, huh? <laughs> I know. It's you were so pretty. She's prettier now. Yeah, and so, and both so nice. So lovely. Lovely. Um, but yeah, she was, uh, Martha was talking about that Benny Mardona song and that is a creepy, and I never liked that song either. I just, I never, I was just always thought something's up with this song. Yeah, no, I, I don't think, think I should like it. He's in prison somewhere. Um, let's go, well, let's talk to some other stuff about Neil is, uh, he had a couple of albums produced by, and I hope I say his name right. Bob Gaudio. Gaudio. Is that how you say yeah. it? I say Gaudio. It's Gaudio. Well, I say Gaudio and I I I've interviewed him. I could have insulted him. But, um, yeah, he produced, uh, he produced, uh, you don't bring me flowers. He's the, a four season. The, I know he's a four season. One of the only that we've there's only two seasons left right now. Frankie and Bob. I spent like four hours with Frankie uh, about a year ago mm-hmm. for the Hall of Fame. They asked me to go, and it was just so great because I think they're another vastly underappreciated. Yes, group. I love the four. I've always loved the four seasons. Right, and then one of the actually charming things about Neil when you talk to him, he'll tell you about those early because he had like four or five years slow start, like sixty to 66 mm-hmm. or whatever. It's funny you say slow start and yet an album a year from like 68, 66 through like 83, oh, no. 84. But I mean, just getting going. Getting he going. Was, he goes like, I was the biggest failure in the Brill Building. <laughs> and then it all hit at once. And yeah. Donnie, Donnie Kirshner, you know, all of a sudden he was the hot hand. Yeah. Uh, but he'll tell you that it was like he pitched to like, he told me stories about pitching songs to Dion, like stopping him in Central Park and like trying to sing him <laughs> a song. And I think he probably pitched Frankie Valley. He just couldn't get anything going for years. And then, and he had young family. Mm-hmm. It was, you know. It was, See, and this goes to, to work ethic. He didn't stop. He's like, he believed in himself enough. You have to believe in yourself. Oh, no. He did a thing. In fact, I think at one point his contract ran out with any publisher. Like, I think he might have gone from the Brill Building to maybe work for Lieber and Stoller. Mm-hmm. And then I think his contract ran out and he rented himself an office. Wow. And he rented himself. He tried. He somehow told me, if you read that Rolling Stone article, I think it's in there. I think he told me he convinced, he had to like go to the New York City <laughs> Department of Public Phones and get them to put a public phone like in the hallway so oh they could have God. a phone because he couldn't afford Put to a like phone. get oh a phone. God, and that's he just, great. He just made his own office so he could have somewhere to go and write these songs. 
So the, the phone's ringing in the hall, and he's got to run out there and run down. Neil Diamond here. Oh, and by the way, the, one of the weirdest facts about Neil Diamond is his real name is Neil Diamond. Yes, it is. He and yet he wanted to change it to Ice Cherry. Cherry. How weird is that? Like, that's terrible. It's, which is the worst name. Wasn't, didn't Lenny, I think Lenny Kravitz was, that's his real name, Lenny Kravitz. Yes. But he, he, was, go, he was performing, I think, by Romeo Blue, Blue at yes. one point. That's, and that sounds terrible, well, too. Well, Romeo Jew was the original, and then he was trying to pass. <laughs> Whenever I see a picture of Lenny Kravitz and his dad, it doesn't look like that guy could ever be Lenny Kravitz's father. I was once interviewing Lenny Kravitz at the University of Michigan. He was opening for the Stones, mm-hmm. and I went to the. I interviewed him in his hotel room, and it, I walked into the hotel room and did the whole interview. He was in bed, and it's like he's just woken up, and literally he sat in bed the whole time. No shirt on. No, sh- I think no shirt on. But then he got out of the bed. And he had full leather pants. Like, I think, do you sleep like a boa, a boa or something? It's like, you sleep with like leather pants and a boa? And he's living it, the life. Oh, he lives the life. Uh, how is he? Was he nice, gentlemen? Yeah, he's very nice. I just saw him again recently. I, yeah, he's, I've he, been listening to Lenny Kravitz all week. That's what's funny. That's oh, really? why it just popped in my head. Yeah. I think he has like half genius and half derivative, but he's he, like, the, there's songs like, uh, it ain't over till it over. It's over. Yeah. That's like a Philly soul, as good as Philly yeah, soul. Yep. So he he can be great. And are you gonna go my way? Is great. Yeah, I love the Jewish half of him. Yeah, it's so I think funny. That part's it's, really good. It's so funny because his album. He's he's uh, a lot of the albums have like fourteen songs, and it's like oh, there's four too many. Yes. Just, if he's just a ten song guy, I think he's 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 amazing. Right. Where Neil in the those days it was like nine songs, yeah. and they were all pretty good. In and out. Let's uh, let's play. I'm gonna play something off. Um, uh, an album called Serenade, which I actually have an autographed LP of this. Uh, I got it assigned by Neil uh, backstage at Jimmy Kimmel. Oh my God. Where you're, where you're not supposed to ask for signatures, you know, when you're backstage. <laughs> right. But I had to. I, I'm like, I'm never going to be face to face with him again. So he's signing it and he goes, You're not going to put this on eBay, are you? <laughs> and I said, I said, No, you can personalize it with, if you want. And he goes, I believe you. <laughs> so let's hear uh, from Serenade uh, uh, I've been this way before Oh my god it's on my list <laughs> It's crazy Got to make it through By This song is one of my favorites, and it's, it's funny. So funny that we both had it on our yeah, list. No, and I'm skipping mine, but I will tell you that. Uh, Why don't you play it too? <laughs> <laughs> I would. The first half is I like better. No, he. Uh, this is a song that I don't know if I'm pretty sure I remember because I did like so many song by songs for like. There's a box set that's great. Uh, uh, that he, but he told me this was originally I think started for Jonathan Livingston Siegel. It didn't end up making the record, mm-hmm. and. 
that's another one. Like with jazz singer, there as big a fan as I was, I had never brought myself to watch Jonathan Livingston Siegel. No, I have never seen it either. So for, so for the book, there's a chapter in this stupid book where I said, okay, I'm going to confront this issue I have not wanted to see Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And I got my kid who were then like, I think four and six or six. And it's eight. a kid's movie, right? Well, no, it's no, not no. a kid's movie. Oh no. See, I don't know anything. I really don't know anything about that movie. It was considered like the prophet, one of the great philosophical treaties in the pop cultural sense in that sixties, late sixties, seventies era. I couldn't be more wrong then. No, no. And <laughs> it was supposed to be the most profound statement of the human ex- ex- existential statement. And it is the biggest piece of shit in history. I think the book, the book might have been. The, I mean, I I know there's people who rate it was, but it was it was momentarily like a Bible for people uh-huh. in the post Bible era, and uh, the movie's unwatchable. My kids literally were like, "What do you?" It was a torture to them. Is it a silent? Fi- I mean, what is it? I mean, it's literally pictures of seagulls and uh, music uh, and music and voiceover, uh, which is intoned meaningless you know profundities that aren't profound except some of the music is really good yeah some of the music is good uh, b b skybird yeah. skybird is pretty great yeah neil is pretty you know neil was great but yeah. it's a it's a bird brain <laughs> it's not good uh but this song which i think is the best song to come out of that whole thing was on serenade yeah and that's like this is an era where i think neil was like in l.a Sort yeah. of on his own, exploring, being a seeker, yeah. if you will, being that Will Ferrell, you know, with that Will Ferrell when he did Neil Diamond. Yes, like, it was great. That sort of like, is he psycho killer? You know, it's like, right. it, and Neil was like walking the beach in Malibu, thinking deep thoughts, and uh, I love that stuff. And that song is the best. I, I love it. And I, I chose to have that uh, the Serenade album autograph because uh, my brother says that he thinks that 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 picture of Neil with the microphone that that tells everything about Neil. He's the singer. Songwriter perform like it has all of it, and it's like a smoky haze, and he's got the big glasses on. I love those, that album those, cover. Yeah, it's those same big glasses from uh from the uh, exactly yeah from, from the, uh, the last waltz. The last waltz. He uh, around that same era is the era of uh, Longfellow Serenade, which I think is one of the only times I ever offended Neil because I was like, I gotta ask you, is Longfellow Serenade a dick joke? <laughs> I've always heard. Of, he goes, No, I don't think it was a poet. And he is a he is poetic. He, I, uh, in fact, maybe I since we keep picking the same songs. I'll tell you one of my great, uh, what's an example? Oh, here's an example from the earlier that I think, to me, if you have to classify Neil, he's a great romantic poet. Mm-hmm. He's one of those, I mean, and like like Longfellow or those guys who yeah. sound like dick jokes to people like me who are wise asses, I think Neil is a great romantic poet. And if you go to number 16, this is a song, I believe, cut by Elvis and covered by Bono. Uh, this is one of my favorites and one of the most romantic songs and the grass won't pay no mind. Oh, it, it, this close to making my list. Listen easy. You can hear God calling. Walking barefoot by a stream. Come on to me Your hair softly falling On my face is in a dream And the time will be our time 
grass won't be no like, I will say, like this song reminds me of like why women love Neil Diamond yeah. is that they don't really want feminist guys who are ironic and <laughs> they think they do today, but truthfully they want like some guy who's going to speak to them in that purely romantic, poetic exactly. language that no guy now would dare say it. <laughs> but he's just that right age where he's old enough to pitch woo <laughs> in a way that people I don't think can do it with a straight face anymore. I, uh, again, never really talking to Neil Diamond uh, except to get an album signed. I would assume that he, 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 he knows he's good, but he's very humble about it. Would that be right? He's, he's an interesting guy. I, He's a funny, mm-hmm. which no one got for a long time. Right. He's taken enough shit that he can be ironic about it, but mm-hmm. I think he's deeply proud of what he's done. Sure. And uh, he's fiercely like independent. Like he just like he's done it all. Like he, you sorry, identified it right. He's like this self starter who had to self actualize. Like he has a studio where you can hang out. Where it's funny, Rick Rubin sort of came in and. He sort of went with Rick's way, but for years, and it was good for him, but yeah. he just sort of has had his own studio that he owned. He owns everything he does. <laughs> he uh, he just had total control. Yeah. And, he had, and he's had the same band. Like, Bruce has had the same band for a long time, but, but no it, one keeps band members, like, for 40 years. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and because it's not Neil Diamond and the whatever band, right. you, people kind of don't know that. But yeah, he's... He's had the same band forever. Oh no! And he actually had like Elvis's drummer Ron Tut went yes. to him. Mm-hmm. He and they're great, but they're not like kids. And he's never wanted to get like the hippest of anything in. He he just he he's right, fier- fiercely dedicated to the people he right. Because now when you go see like these like you know if you go see Rod Stewart, it's Rod Stewart, and then a bunch of y- much younger right uh, doesn't mean that they're not good. It's just but Neil- they're art directed or right. stylized to be. Keep him hip. right, but I would imagine that Neil Diamond's band—that's family. Yes, oh, I'm sure they're on—they're probably on payroll year round, whether anything's happening. He takes care of people. I yeah. mean, like I can only say I'm not family like that. But he's—it's almost like I always think it's kind of like an American president. I heard this about George Bush Senior did mm-hmm. this that like once you're on the mailing list, you get the Christmas card. You get like my <laughs> mom. My mom after he was so nice to my mom. I think for years she got the records in advance. She got wow. them signed. I mean, he is unbelievably sort of professional, thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he is the Jewish, Jewish Elvis, and which means he didn't get screwed over by Colonel Tom. That's he, right. He, uh, he maintained control. I want to, I want to jump and play a little bit of a song from uh, one of the Rick Rubin albums. I had, uh, I don't know if this, I think I read this or it was in an interview with someone, but, uh, Rick wanted him to play guitar and sing at the same time, yes, which he hadn't he, done in years. Because he said you you actually sing differently, right? He didn't say he said he didn't say you sing better, but he said you sing differently. But I think he does sing better when he's playing the guitar. Also, I think you're right. So uh, let's hear from Twelve Songs. I think this is the first track on the album. This is Oh Mary. Oh Mary, can you hear my song? Does it make a mournful sound? I sang it once when first I saw you, and I sing it to you now. 
Those two albums are, are I really like those albums. They're, they're not the kind of album you put on and put the windows down and drive to the beach. But um, but just inside, they have an intensity. They have an, yeah. And if you're just if you're inside and you're alone and you just want to just totally chill out, these are great albums that Rick Rubin produced. Twelve songs and Home Before Dark. Yeah, which Home Before Dark, which people don't know as much, is also great. I, yeah, I, I, I think I, I might like that one better. Yeah, I I, I was going to play a song from that. Uh, I will say, having been around Neil before he got rediscovered by Rick, mm-hmm. I have, I think Rick did a public service by reminding Neil what Neil, what we love about mm-hmm. Neil. And I sort of tried to do that in my own way as a journalist, but you, I'm not producing a record. Right. So it, but I will say, I watched the evolution of him sort of returning to what he does best. And part of it was he went through a divorce. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the biggest settlement in, yeah. in LA history or in California history. In I marital think. history. Marital I believe, history. At, that point, at that point. I mean, yeah. that was an expensive divorce. Yeah. And he actually fled... LA got away and moved to Nashville mm-hmm. for a little while, which is a town I'm going to, by the way, I'm delaying my trip. I was supposed to, I, I was asked to go meet with Carrie Underwood and Brad Paisley, uh, and leave today at 1130. And I said, I'm not missing this podcast. So I'm going on the that red is cra- eye. For you to say that it's, 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 it, it makes me feel good, no, but no. it's also, it sounds crazy. It's true. No, <laughs> no, but I'm going on the 1130 red eye and going right into the meeting, uh, but, which ended up being well good. Cause then I ended up going to see Ringo today at the John Varvato store. <laughs> and I go to see, Corolla's movie at a screening, and then I'm going on the red eye. This is a good day, but you're going to uh, see Ringo Starr later today. He's he's playing at the. I got invited to go see. He's playing the John Varvato store uh, on in Beverly Hills, and my <laughs> wife said ridiculous. she'll go with me. And I I happen to have written John uh, Varvatos was on Fashion Rocks, which was a show on CBS last week, and I met Varvatos, and he goes. You should come see Ringo at the store, and I was of like, course yeah, I yeah, yeah, sure. But then Ringo, publer, publicist, uh, called me and said, "Are you coming to the Varvado store?" And so I am going to go. Just do me a favor. Yes. If you get home later today and your wife has had a bout of food poisoning, if you want to go, yeah, give me a text. I will. That's very likely. <laughs> I think she might be backing out. But that's that's three o'clock. If you want to go, I'll, I'll let you know. Oh, I'll make that happen. Um, it, what do I wear to that? Oh, what do we wear to that? Uh, this is as much as I'm going to wear. <laughs> okay, okay, that. cool. Uh, eyes odd. Uh, Isod's wrong, right? No. Uh, in any case, the song that I was going to play as a sort of, I think was sort of the stepping stone to Rick Rubin mm-hmm. was this album, Tennessee Moon, which I love because I spent a lot of time in Tennessee mm-hmm. in Nashville. I think Nashville is a song town and he's a song artist. This is a song from Tennessee Moon called Can Anybody Hear Me, which I think is one of the lost gems. And this is produced by Bob Gaudio. Gaudio? Ga- Gaudio. Oh, well, Gaudio might be right, but it's a, <laughs> he was the overall producer of the record. He co-wrote with a lot of different people. I think mm-hmm. this one was a country writer, a writer named Bill LeBounty. Mm-hmm. That might have been the co-writer. He wrote with all these Nashville writers and different producers also. Waylon Jennings is on the album. They do One Good Love. Yeah. Yeah. But this is my favorite song on the record called Can Anybody Hear Me? Which I think has a little sign of where things were going. Yeah. This is where you feel Neil returning to Neil. You got to take your time now. 
That's a hit. I I think that's a little sign of life that sparked. Yeah, helped me helped Neil find his way back. But Neil. yet, this is where I'm going to bring a diamond in the rough yes. coming up because between Tennessee Moon and and the Rick Rubin albums, he did uh, he did an album called the Movie Album where he just did covers of songs from movies. Oh yes, and it's not good. No, no. And then he did an album called Three Chord Opera. I love one song on there. I don't know if you're going to play one. Uh, no, I'm going to play a diamond in the rough, but the song I do like on there, let me look it up here because I'm not playing it. I like, uh, where is it? It's been years since, I haven't heard that song for years, is that it, one? Uh, I like that and I like You Are the Best Part of Me. I like, <laughs> I like those two. But here's the diamond in the rough for me. This is the kind of stuff that I think can, can hurt Neil sometimes. This is called At the Movies. <laughs> Anything can happen time. Anything you can imagine Come on, come on, come on, come on Let's go You got to see it to believe it I hear that Hollywood's a very tough scene Where else does someone eat that co-star on screen? Hey, if you ever want to get away quick There's nothing quicker than the moon I mean, that's just like he said, you know, honey, I love the movie. Every time we watch a movie, I love it. I'm going to write a song about it. That's just, that's the Neil that hurts me. <laughs> I, that's like the pot smoker song. I don't, I can't, my love of Neil can't <laughs> interpret that in any way. I, I, I actually, I don't, yeah, I don't like that album. I no, think, I don't either. I and I remember don't. when I bought it, I'm like, you know, all songs were written by Neil, just Neil. It was like no co-writers or anything. Oh, hold on. I'm sorry. You're talking about, I thought the movie album. I don't, that's, that's, yeah. On, no, this one's from three right, quarter. No, no, I do remember. I love, I haven't heard that song in years and other songs yeah. I do not love. Yeah. You're the best part of me is a little too much. It veers a little bit towards Barry Manilow. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. It's a good pop song, but it's not. It's, it's. But yeah. compared to the everything else on on that album, th- that rises to the top for me. So yeah, no, it's not my favorite. No, uh, I do. And every artist that we like has an album that you go, ooh. Yeah, no, you know, everyone does. Some have a whole careers like that. Yeah, uh, I, I'm trying to think if you want to play another inexplicable one. I literally. I think I asked him what the hell happened with this song. This is like one of those things that like, you know, you think like there's this great song that you go, God, it really it defined a phrase mm-hmm. or it sort of set up a whole little mini genre with one song. And then there's some songs you go, what the fuck was that yeah. about? Can you play uh, number 20? I believe knackle knackle flurg. Now is this a song you like or is this a diamond in the rough? This is, Inexplicable. It only 
actually makes sense if there was a movie being made called Knuckleflurg. Yeah. They said, we need theme from Knuckleflurg. It's kind of like supercalifragilistic. Yes. They, that's a good explanation for it. I've never heard a word that says more for sure and you're only mine. The silly way you hold my clock when I'm alone with only you. That might be enough knackle for it. But if I can, I'll, I now will take a the back to back up where I love Neil mm-hmm. and where I think he's actually hit the second coming of his songwriting in those last few years. And I've heard, uh, I have a link to the new record. I don't think I should play it on here. I can, after, when we're done, I'll play you one thing. Well, I'm going to, I was going to play us out with The Art of Love because I, I bought that on okay. iTunes. That's, that's the right. That's the one that's available. There's yeah. a better song on the record that is at rollingstone.com that maybe you want to check that out. Okay. It's like called Heartache, Something of Heartache. It's great. Uh, so you like the new album? I do. I just heard it once yesterday. Is it is it bare bones like the last two albums, or is it there a more band? I think it splits the difference. There's more, okay. uh, but it's still it's core. It's the core is kind of acoustic and voice and acoustic, very powerful. And he's not on Columbia Records anymore. No, he's on Capitol. Yeah, yeah. Uh, now he owns Capitol. And by the uh, way, this is this is a this is an artist. Uh, me saying it here isn't going to help. But this is an artist that his his catalog, they need to go back and, and remaster this stuff and put it out. I mean, some of these CDs were only issued once. Oh, well, I always think for years, yeah, the Universal stuff never, the MCA stuff, yeah. Uni, never sounded as good as the Columbia stuff when they, like the Bang stuff sounds perfect. Yes, it and sounds great. they did really some good editions mm-hmm. of those. And they were in the middle of doing a whole, listen, Neil will, eventually it'll be like all the great artists. There'll be definitive editions with right. extra tracks and... Uh, this is one song from Home Before Dark, number 15, that is, I think, one of the sort of... They're pretty amazing. Grace got heard a fair amount, but mm-hmm. this one is one that I think is one of the strengths of his later career is he's sort of gone back to being sort of sexy. Like, he's the songs are kind of erotically charged. Yeah. I think he's, you know, he's married to a younger woman, uh-huh. and I got to say, he's a little bit like... When you heard at the movies, he's sort of like your uncle or grandpa. Yes, you're embarrassed. He's right. dancing at the party. Please yeah. sit down. But now he's like a cool dude who's still getting it. Uh, <laughs> and that's don't. But and so this is a song called "Don't Go There." Okay. And this has a bluesy, folky thing that I Rick Rubin pulled back out of him. A little sundown, actually. Oh, here yeah, now. yeah, yeah. She wants to take it just a little bit further now Don't let it happen Cause if you let her in She's gonna take it away Making you pay And what are you gonna say You better be aware And don't go up there Don't want to let her play with what belongs to you Cause if you let her play with you know what You know what she's gonna do If Bob Dylan or Leonard Cohen wrote this song Yeah It would be Classic You would like, wow, that's a classic yeah. And like, it's. Just, I think Neil is again at the height of his powers That's as good as anything He sounds, he sounds, sounds really cool, cool there Yeah <laughs> So cool 
I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna jump back. I'm actually gonna play one of the biggest songs of Neil's career. But it was uh, it was uh, it was originally done solo, and then the the version that everyone knows is the duet with uh, him and Barbara Streisand. I want to play the the version from an album called "I'm Glad You're Here with Me Tonight." And then I think I picked a, a verse that Barbara sings on the um, on the duet. But let's hear some of Neil just by himself. You don't bring me flowers. You don't sing me love songs You hardly talk to me anymore When you come through the door at the end of the day I remember when You couldn't wait to love me You used to hate to leave me Now after loving me Late at night when it's good for you And you're feeling alright Well you just roll over And you turn out the light And you don't well, Yeah, so amazing It's so familiar And yet if you actually listen to it It's pretty, pretty gripping stuff It really is And then if you listen back to back She, her voice is so crazy powerful on her on her lines that she sings. It's just it's it's amazing. Oh no, and it's my favorite one of my favorite lines in that behind the music was something like, you know, they both went for two years, I guess, mm-hmm. to the same school. I think maybe it was Erasmus High mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Which by the way, those Brooklyn high schools of that exact era, like they were pumping out pop stars and Supreme Court justices like nobody's <laughs> business. I don't know what was in the water in Brooklyn, but he said something like uh it was a pretty good showing by two former members of the Erasmus Vocal <laughs> Choir. <laughs> and what's funny is they never tried to recapture it. They never did another duet together. They didn't because they could have easily, like two albums later, they could have said, "Hey, we got to get to, we got to record something else." And they just they did it at the Grammys, which is one of the first. Was great, it the Grammys? Grammys or no, the, the, the American Music Awards. No, Grammys. Was it was the Grammy. I mean, uh, having written the Grammy, not going to argue with you. The Grammy book, it's Grammy. Okay, then you would know. Uh, but and, that was back then when you didn't know in advance who was going to perform. Right. Or who, and when I remember watching it. was a it, moment. And when, yeah, it was, it was event television. They came out yeah. and you were like, oh my God, here it is. And then years later, I was writing a benefit uh, at the Disney Hall. I think it was the first thing ever at the Disney Hall, just about. It was for John Kerry. It was a big thing. And Leonardo DiCaprio was there and uh, Ben Affleck. And I'm writing for all these people. But the big thing for me was... Barbara and Neil agreed to do uh, as two Democrats. They were going to do. You don't bring me flowers. They did it there. I think for the first time since then, maybe. And it was crazy. And I believe that was the reason that John Kerry won <laughs> that election. Yeah, and that was 1980. They came out. I remember they came. And every they, time, every they time, staged it yeah very dramatically. And every time, and Neil's uh, Neil's uh, background singer who who duets with him in concert, uh, Linda Press. Yes. Is amazing with but Renee, every, who's her husband. Yes, he's on bass. Yeah, but every time uh, Neil plays in L.A., I'm always secretly hoping that Barbara's going to come out. Yes, and they're going to do it. That doesn't happen. But. Barbara's not. She is great, but she is not a. Uh, I don't think she's that spontaneous with her performances. She doesn't. She's not just going to. She's say, not going to jam. She doesn't come out to jam. Neil, why don't I come over tonight to the Greek and we'll do this? Yeah, no, that's. I not don't think that happen. happens that much. No, I mean it happened at that Carrie event, but not that often. Uh, have you seen her in concert? Yes. Are you a fan of hers? Uh, moderately. I, I mean, yeah. yes, yes. You respect, sure. the, you respect the talent. I totally respect her. I, the I, music's not something that you would put 
put on at the house necessarily. Well, here's the thing. I am not a like that Tin Pan Alley thing. I mm-hmm. admired it in Neil. It's not me. I am like a child of the rock era. Yeah. I grew up on Wings. I mean, I grew mm-hmm. up on a lot of the Rick Springfield. Yeah. That's the stuff that I sort of raised on. So it's not my thing. And the, ironically, the album by her that I love is the one that Barry Gibb did. You oh, know, Guilty. I, I love Guilty. Yeah. And that's because that's, I love Bee Gees. I think he, yeah. Barry Gibb was genius. So that did you go see Barry when he was at the Hollywood Bowl? I was out of town and I'm heartbroken. And yeah, I, I heard it was Barry, an amazing I, show. I, I didn't see it either, but I heard it was really great. I've met Barry. I actually interviewed the Bee Gees and wrote liner notes for them. And it was, they're another group that I think just undervalued. But, you know, Neil's more undervalued. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. What uh, do you have? A, who's your? Do you have a favorite artist? Do you have a singular like someone that you is is your go to all the time? Uh, no, I mean, uh, my dad's artist was Sinatra, mm-hmm. and I was raised on Sinatra. My mom's artist was Neil Diamond. Okay. So those are my that's my roots. Right. And then, but the last year has been a real Beatle year for me. Mm-hmm. I did a lot of Beatle related projects, and I think they're quite good. Uh, they're they're up and comers. Yeah, uh, try. It's hard to find their stuff, but look for it. <laughs> Search it out. It might be on iTunes. Some of the yeah. albums. If you like the knack, I think yeah, you like, like them. the Beatles or the Raspberries. <laughs> if you think the Raspberries are good, uh, but really, and then Bob Dylan, who I named my son after, because he's one who I think Bob Dylan's the guy who made me want to write. So is your son's name Bob, Bob Dylan, Dylan Wild? <laughs> Bob Dylan. Yeah, no, no. His name is. He got to serve somebody. Okay. Uh, no, it's uh, Dylan is his middle name. Okay. And, nice. Uh, That's and a great name. I, and I met Bob Dylan. Uh, I mean, I worked. I, did, did I a, thought Zimmerman was going to be his middle name. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> I actually also wanted to name my son after Miles Davis, who I like. And uh, my wife said, Miles Wild sounds really <laughs> bad. Wild. It does not work. So couldn't that do it. sounds like a character in the Lego movie. <laughs> yeah. It Miles did, Wild. It didn't work. Uh, we have uh, we, we, we got a couple more minutes. You want to play another? You want to play another song for yeah. us? Yeah. Oh, well, let's go to the Rough Diamonds. This is one that this is one that he would be, I think, shocked or disgusted that I would pick. I think I gave it to you. Do you have uh, "Don't Turn Around Now"? Okay, this is one where just the weird era of Neil's career when like he was not having big hits, and the label probably was like telling him, "You got to cover this great song by Diane Warren or something." And this was a song that had been a hit, I think, covered by a reggae group and. Overseas, like Oswald, and later was an ace of bass hit, and it should be terrible. It's like so rife with compromise and commercial ambition, and it's not written by Neil, and he's primarily a singer songwriter. And yet, and it has dated production. And yet, I love this song. I cannot, I will never turn it off if it. And I play it. It's on my like walking tape. Uh, this is "Don't Turn Around Now." And it's a song you probably have heard by other people, but I love this. Very timely production there. <laughs> I know, really. If you want to leave, I won't beg you to stay. And if you got to go, darling. Maybe it's better that way I'm gonna be strong, gonna be fine Don't worry about this heart of mine Just walk out that door and see if I care Go on and go now, but don't turn around Cause you're gonna see my heart break in Don't turn around And 
really for me, and I didn't plan to, but what it all adds up to is, and I kind of got at this in the book a little bit, mm-hmm. when I think of Neil, and I, I notice a bunch of songs are like, don't go there, don't turn around. Mm-hmm. I like to be told what to do by a real guy, because right. I think it's like, in, I, I compared him to my dad, I think, in this book. My dad liked that very much. I think that they, it's that earlier generation of guys who were men yeah. who would tell you, don't do that. Right. You know, and like, I am not that guy. I'm a conflicted, insecure, neurotic, needy, need to be validated, tweeting motherfucker. You know, and this is real men. Right. I think, frankly, Neil Diamond to me is maybe the last real you- man in music. And I fucking endorse him and, and love him for it, just like all those women. He's like, like the Clint Eastwood of music. He is. He's a <laughs> Clint Eastwoodberg. <laughs> uh, I those those two albums. That was the song you just played was from Lovescape. Oh, and there's a song I love on there that maybe you're gonna. I don't know if you're gonna play that one. Uh, but I got to tell you that album and the album before the best years of our lives. I don't know what, but I I love those two albums so much. I almost picked three songs, including there's a song called "If There Were No Dreams" that I think is a masterpiece. The there's only, the best years of our lives sounds like Springs. It's like him trying to be Bruce. But the only he he covers on on the best years of our lives. He covers a Tracy Chapman song. I I I've listened to that all the time. And he but he. He changed the words. He does I, like he didn't understand what she was trying to say. Baby, can I hold his version? Yeah, she says. She says can't. Yeah, but he says. He says can. Because that's he's Neil Diamond. I know, but I was like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, he kind of doesn't. Maybe he doesn't. I don't think he gets what she was trying to say. You know what I mean? I actually think I think she was saying, "Baby, can I hold you tonight?" She was. It's it's he may, he may have butchered it in other ways, but I have to say, I think he didn't. I think it says, she says, it's more than you can't say. Oh, okay. And right. he says, it's more than you, you can, can say. say. It, he's Neil. He has, uh, yeah. I, you know, sue him. Look, I'm not going to tell him what to do. <laughs> Guy's awesome. Uh, let me think of, here, I'm going to play a song from the Heartlight album. I do love that this is when he was working with David Foster and Burt Bacharach and Carol Bear Sager. I'm alive, are you going to play? Or? I'm, I almost played alive, but I'm going to play the one when you're on the road. And he's, uh, <laughs> let's hear Coming Home. Operator, please <laughs> Just get her on the phone She's got to know I'm coming home Oh, I've been gone for a long, long time But it really doesn't matter when she's there on the line Been on the road for a hundred days And there's nothing gonna stop me Cause I'm there on my way And I'm coming home I totally forgot that song at all. That's I'm so glad you brought yeah, that. I one like up. that song. I, I love Heartlight. There's there's only two Neil Diamond albums I really don't like that are that are Neil that aren't covers and all that stuff. Yeah. And it's Three Chord Opera and Heading for the Future. <laughs> Heading for the Future. That's where the datedness and him trying to be a little hip. I think when he tries to be something else yes. than himself. It goes terribly wrong. Terribly wrong. That video for Heading for the Future is one of the worst things oh, I've ever seen. Yes. But... And it's got that... That kind of like synthesizer like oh, whooshes horrible. and... Oh. But you know what's weird? It's like you mentioned David Foster mm-hmm. and it's like people like you and me and the people who... All your co-hosts, all of whom I love, especially mm-hmm. the women who I... It's like Betty and Veronica. I don't know which one I'm more in love with. I never have looked at pictures of them, but I'm utterly in love, especially with... Betty, okay, uh, which would be, uh, who would be Betty and who would be Veronica? Oh, it's. Tell me their names again. 
uh, April Richardson. That's the other one I'm in love with. And, and Christy Stratton. I'm in love with Christy. Okay. But I love both of them. Christy's but... the one that was on the L.A. Easting episode yes. and the Martha Quinn episode. Oh, no. And you could tell who was Betty and Veronica because when they were both on together in one of your podcasts, the one got very quiet. She let, she let Veronica yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. dominate. So I think maybe Christy is, uh, is the quieter she's one. She's Betty. Yeah, she's Betty. Um, but in any case, uh, I love absolutely all of them. Uh, oh, but we're all such geeks that like, I, and I fell in love with your show when I heard Elliot Easton, which I just thought, God, no one is getting into Elliot Easton deeply like this. And, I, <laughs> I, and frankly, no, maybe no one should, but I was glad because I, I could go there forever. I was so happy after that show because I really felt that he said four or five things that he never said anywhere before. I didn't know that he could speak. I didn't know he had the gift Such of speech. Such a sweet guy. He Such was great. A nice guy. Uh, but like I had, you mentioned David Foster like three weeks ago or four weeks ago. I was asked by um, Dinah Crawl to do something, and I mm-hmm. talked to David Foster, who produced her new record. Okay. And like after the fourth question, I gave him about "Along the Red Ledge" by Hall and Oates, which is one of my favorite records of all time. It's, it's a like, laugh, David. Uh, do you want to talk about any records besides "Along the Red Ledge"? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, uh, yeah, maybe album. we should talk about the new Dinah Crawl. I when you go when you get hit your passions, it's hard to move past yeah. them. But uh, well, look. I know you got to get out of here. You're meeting with a big wig. You had a big day all planned out. I got many billionaires to get to. So I want to thank you so much for being here. No, please, believe me. I, I did. Ch- I literally did. I could not get on a flight and cancel on this. I, I will abuse. I will. I will miss my children's back to school nights, but I will not do that. Uh, you will be uh, here again if you if you want to be. Oh yes, especially because it's very conveniently located between me and. Yeah, just play many. tennis, come sweaty. It's exactly. fine. Uh, tell, uh, tell everyone where they can find you. Oh, at Wild About Music with a capital W, I think. Uh, that would be the best place to see me. I just joined, fa- the 60s made me join Facebook because <laughs> I had to do Facebook chats along with like me and Barney Frank talking about sex, drugs, and <laughs> rock and roll. Or me and Suzanne Hoffs talked about Excellent. the British invasion. So I am at, or I don't know how you even tell you with Facebook. David Wild. David Wild on Facebook. Yeah, there's like a fan page. Just punch me. I had a fan. Like it. Like me. Please like me. That's, that's every line I've said should be prefaced by please like me. Please like me. We're at Rock Solid Show. I am at Pat underscore Francis. Kyle. Oh, no, my Kyle is at Kyle Dotson Funny. Uh, you can find recaps of the show at uh, rocksolidpodcast.com. And, uh, David, again, thanks. I, I, my I, there's, I would have never been able to do a Neil Diamond show with any of my other co-hosts or any, I, for anyone except Neil Diamond. I think that this is going to do very well in Israel <laughs> and in certain sections well, of Brooklyn. I know that you'll be tweeting about it and you'll be tweeting at Neil Diamond. At Nauseam, I thought you were going to say. Yes, and, I Well, no, I'd, I'd, please do as much as you want to do. And, uh, and I'm definitely going to, we were going to chat uh, later uh, uh, about Rick Springfield. Oh, we got to get Rick in here. <sighs> He's the best. Love him. My wife, uh, a last story. My wife, the day I met mm-hmm. her, uh, when I asked her out for our first date, she, she was going with her best friend to see the Pelicans Retreat, where he, Rick used to do his rehearsal tour shows, oh like gosh. somewhere in the valley uh-huh. deep. And she was afraid to tell me that's where she was going because she said, he's like a Rolling Stone writer. He'll, he'll, he won't want like Rick Springfield. <laughs> Not knowing that I've been like, a stone cold Rick yeah, Springfield fan straight down the line. Yeah. So good. Well, let's play us out with an album that, uh, David Wilde has been, uh, has been, uh, privileged enough to hear the entire thing. Melody road, order it now. It's great. And, uh, there's, uh, this song is real good, but I will say that there's a song, if you could look it up, but I, it's, it's called like, uh, 
nothing but heartbreak or nothing but heartache that is I'm sort of mildly obsessed with. And and uh, okay. you can you can actually hear that one at RollingStone.com now. Are you looking for it? You can use that for our playout. Uh, oh no no you, you, you I don't you know use the one you okay know, yeah. we'll, we'll listen to, we'll hear uh, the art of love David also signed uh, he signed two books I have three more coming I'll hook up with him and he'll sign those other ones and then uh, the day after this uh, episode posts I will put a, some type of a Neil Diamond trivia question on you really uh, should post it for like Yom Kippur. <laughs> That would be kind of nice. I think. I love this episode. I want to get this out as quickly as possible. Oh, if the I can. people need to hear this. What do you got? That's that's nothing a but a heartache. Can you play us out with that? Okay, then just uh, just play the art of love, David Wilde. Thank you so much. I don't know about the art of love. Uh, I, I've known nothing. You ask my wife. I've not perfected that art. How long have you been married? Uh, uh, I, well, I was going to do the joke. Ten years, no, ten happy years over the course of twenty. Uh, twenty, twenty years this year. That's excellent. twenty years since Linda McCartney said, "I order you to marry that girl," and you you can't thank her enough. No, oh, I miss her. She was a great lady. She was. The Beatles all picked great ladies, which is never said. They were right. real, real cool chicks. Well, let's dedicate the art of love then to Linda McCartney. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, David. She said. It's time to teach you the art of love She said We're gonna reach to the heart of love A place you never knew A place that lives somewhere inside of you I know I'm on a journey I won't forget I know I have it in me to give and yet I never could before I had to if I wanted to be yours You made me see I'd have to be a brand new man Showed the kind of lesson I can't erase. You showed a way to get from that long.